0: Good morning. Welcome to NTD.
1: Good morning. Here are today's top stories. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is in Israel for high-stakes talks about the next phase of the war. The diplomat is on his fourth trip to the Middle East to ease tensions as, as the threat of a greater conflict grows.
0: Stockpiles of weapons found in Gaza, including rifles and grenade launchers. We speak to an IDF spokesperson to get the details.
1: At least 21 injured in an explosion at a Texas hotel. We take a look at what authorities think caused the blast.
0: Bolts missing from the panel blown from a Boeing Max 9 mid-flight last week. Federal investigators are wondering if they were ever there in the first place. New insight into what went wrong with the Alaska Airlines flight last week.
1: House Republicans are challenging the testimony of a key January 6 witness Find out what part of her testimony on former President Trump they're calling out and what action they're taking.
0: The Biden administration is set to unveil a new rule to make it harder for companies to treat workers as independent contractors. Find out what this means with the host of Entity Business.
1: Studies show colleges are full of liberal-minded people. So what should conservative women do when picking a school? And what challenges do they have to face there? An authority on the subject explains.
2: This is NTD Good Morning. Live from our global headquarters, here are Evelyn Lee and Kevin Hogan.
0: Welcome to NTD.
1: Welcome, today is Tuesday, January 9th.
0: Yeah, and before we start here, Evelyn, you know, as Israel prepares to defend itself at the International Court of Justice about that claim of genocide brought by South Africa, a Cornell law professor who spent his life studying genocide calls the claim bigoted and idiotic.
1: Wow, yeah, I mean, the U.S. also says it's meritless, and of course there is other critics that just say, It doesn't make sense because of the population growth they had. Apparently, it rose from the 60s, from 265K to uh, 1,000 people, to 2 million now, as we know. Right. Well, but um, today's news comes out of Israel as Secretary of State Antony Blinken is there today to discuss the next phase of the war.
0: The top diplomat met with Prime Minister Netanyahu and his war cabinet to talk about Israel's efforts to protect and aid civilians in Gaza.
1: Blinken said he was coming to Israel with promises from four Arab nations and Turkey to help in rebuilding Gaza after the war. But the nations want to see an end to the fighting and steps towards the creation of a Palestinian state alongside Israel.
0: U.S. officials have called for the Palestinian Authority to govern Gaza after the war. Israeli leaders reject that idea but haven't put up a concrete plan yet.
1: Blinken is also trying to prevent an all-out war between Israel and the Iran-backed terrorist group Hezbollah in Lebanon.
0: And for a closer look at what can result from Blinken's tour of the Middle East, we hear from Gerard Felitti, a senior counsel at the Lawfare Project. Gerard, thank you for coming on the show this morning. My pleasure. Lincoln is pressuring Israeli leaders to prevent the war from spreading. We have seen Israel to be resistant to some demands by the U.S. So, what is the common ground there?
2: The common ground is America is very much interested in Israel's ability to defend itself against these attacks and definitively deal with Hamas and the terrorist organizations that are causing instability, not just in Israel and the Middle East, but in the world in general. The common ground is everyone wants a path forward to peace in the region and the dissolution of the terrorist regimes that are governing the Palestinian people. This is something that Israel is very much interested in doing, but the question is, how will we get there? And Secretary Blinken is delivering support in a way from Arab countries for a peaceful resolution to the conflict after this war is done.
0: So what is this concept of a Palestinian state alongside Israel that the Arab nations are working with Blinken to discuss?
2: Well, the Arab nations are very much supportive of a Palestinian state in principle. This is something that has been on the international agenda for decades and something that was decided upon and agreed upon with the Oslo Conventions in the 1990s, that there would be a pathway to a Palestinian state. The issue now is the Arab states like Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Egypt, and Turkey, uh, which is not Arab, but aligned with these states, wants a path forward to Palestinian statehood. And in exchange, they're looking to normalize relations with Israel But the catch is everyone wants to see a plan for what governing Gaza, governing the West Bank, would look like after this war is done.
0: Right. And so do you see Turkey, Saudi Arabia and Jordan stepping up to help Gaza's governance and reconstruction after the war, given that Blinken said that they would be willing to work together for Gaza's stability?
2: I do see that these countries have an interest in providing economic support to rebuild the infrastructure and develop the economy and civil society in a Palestinian state or in Gaza. The issue is who will actually govern these areas? That's the sticking point. Hamas cannot continue as a force in Gaza or anywhere else. And we need stability. We need a a leadership for the Palestinian people that's interested in peace and cooperation, not in violence and destruction. So that's really what the challenge is, identifying what a government would look like. Arab countries and the U.S. are ready to step in economically, but we need to see how Palestinians can govern themselves.
0: And Blinken says there is a real interest there among Arab nations and others for this normalization between Israel and them. But now Blinken says that this normalization is probably going to be possible, but if Israel fully eradicates Hamas and that takes a year to do so, is that still possible and does it depend on how Israel does it?
2: It very much depends on the length of time that it takes Israel to continue engaging Hamas. And there is growing pressure internationally and even within the United States to pull back support if this war continues in the manner it has. There is a concern that's being voiced about the level of destruction in Gaza and the civilian infrastructure, the risk to civilians, and the problems with humanitarian aid coming in. Now, rightly speaking, a lot of these problems are because of Hamas, a lot of these problems are because Egypt is not allowing proper aid through its borders. The issue, however, is we need to see, the United States wants to see more targeted responses, not the wide-scale invasion. This is why Blinken is asking Israel to pull back some of its forces and to consider changing its strategy.
0: Well, that's all the time we have right now, but I do appreciate you weighing in on this. Gerard Felitti, Senior Counsel at the Law Lawfare Project. Thank you.
2: Thank you.
1: And we will have more on the Israel-Hamas war. But first, a driver is in custody after a vehicle crashed into a gate at the White House complex yesterday evening.
0: The Secret Service is investigating the incident.
1: No one was hurt in the crash. Roads in the area were initially closed to traffic in response to the incident.
0: The White House did not immediately respond to a request for comment on the incident.
1: President Biden was not at the White House. He was en route from South Carolina to Texas at the time.
0: A Delaware man was charged last month with drunk driving after he accidentally crashed his vehicle into President Biden's motorcade.
1: And Boeing's 737 Max problems just got a little worse after the blowout of part of a plane's fuselage during a flight last week.
0: Regulators grounded over 170 Max 9 planes after a gaping hole appeared in the side of an Alaska Airlines plane Friday night.
1: The panel that came off is known as a door plug. It's used to replace an emergency exit to add more seats. Alaska Airlines is now facing some scrutiny for its decision to keep the plane in operation despite cabin system warnings in the days leading up to the incident.
0: Both United and Alaska found loose bolts on multiple aircraft on multiple grounded Max 9s in preliminary investigations. Federal investigators say they're still looking for four bolts. Today's Jeremy
3: Sandberg has more on the findings. Federal investigators are gaining new insight into how a door panel came loose before flying off an Alaska Airlines jetliner Friday night. All 12 stops became disengaged, allowing it to blow out of the fuselage. Uh, We found that both guide tracks on the plug were fractured the National Transportation Safety Boarder NTSB, says they still haven't found four bolts that secure the panel, or if they were even there in the first place. That restrain it from its vertical movement, and we have not yet determined if they existed there. That will be determined when we take the plug to our lab in Washington, D.C. The nation's top accident investigator says warning lights were triggered on three flights before the blowout, including each of the two days before its first flight. NTSB Chair Jennifer Homendy says maintenance crews cleared the Alaska Airlines flight to fly after checks But that Alaska decided not to use it on an ocean route to Hawaii in case the warning light reappeared None of the hundred and seventy passengers or six crew members were injured But passengers described confusion and chaos with a two by four foot hole suddenly in the side of the plane just minutes into the flight one says she heard a loud boom followed by wind and oxygen masks dropping At first she said it wasn't clear how close disaster was until a teenager jumped into the seat beside her shirtless and scratched
4: i didn't know why he didn't have a shirt on because he his shirt got sucked off of his body
5: when the panel blew out
3: it was too loud to talk so they communicated by text she says the boy told her he was okay and thanked her for her kindness the ntsb said the lost door plug was found sunday near portland in the backyard of a home authorities asked residents to keep a lookout for any evidence I thought, oh my goodness, people have been looking for this all weekend, and it looks like it's in my backyard. High school physics teacher Bob Saar says the seven agents that came to pick up the panel were amazed it was intact. He believes his trees broke its fall. In my uh, physics A class, we've just finished talking about impulse and momentum. The trees acted like, a, like an airbag. Only seven seats were unoccupied on the flight, including two closest to the blown-out hole. The FAA grounded all MAX 9s operated by Alaska and United Airlines for inspection after the blowout. The FAA approved inspection and repair guidelines for MAX 9 plugs on Monday, which could streamline the roughly 170 grounded planes returned to service. Indonesia temporarily grounded three Boeing 737 MAX 9s, operated by Lion Air in response. The planes use an emergency exit instead of a door plug. A Lion Air MAX plane crashed in Indonesia in 2018, killing all 190 people on board. An Ethiopian Airlines MAX 8 crashed in 2019, killing 157 people. Boeing shares dropped over 6% Monday. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Fire officials
0: suspect a gas leak and a blast at a Texas hotel in Fort Worth. NTD's Daniel Monahan has more on yesterday's explosion, which injured 21 people.
6: The explosion at the Sandman Signature Hotel blew out windows and littered downtown streets with large sections of debris from the building. Officials say one of the injured people is in critical condition. The blast flung doors and entire sections of wall onto the road in front of the 20-story hotel. Fort Worth Fire Department rescue crews found several people trapped in the basement. More than two dozen rooms were occupied at the hotel when the blast took place. Authorities say a restaurant in the building had been under construction, but it was not definitive that is where the blast occurred. The Sandman Signature Hotel is in a busy area of downtown, about one block from the Fort Worth Convention Center. According to its website, the hotel has 245 rooms and was built in 1920 as the Wagoner Building, named after cattle rancher and oilman, William Thomas Wagoner. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
1: Dr. Anthony Fauci was on Capitol Hill yesterday and will be back today.
0: Lawmakers are probing the former director of the National Institutes of Health on his response to COVID-19. His testimony is expected to take several hours with hundreds of questions prepared. And today's Melina Wisecup has the updates from Capitol Hill.
4: The main focus of this closed-door hearing with Dr. Anthony Fauci is for lawmakers to assess how the United States responded to the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, while the lawmakers that we heard from said that there weren't many fireworks uh, so far through the hearing, instead it's been more focused on the process. They say there is more specifically about Fauci's role that they want to look into, such as his flip-flop stance on mask mandates or how money went from his department at the time through Echo Health and then funded research in China. When I spoke with the chairman of this committee, Chairman Brad Winstrom, he said that so far Fauci has been cooperative with the questions that lawmakers have presented so far. But another lawmaker said that's probably because they haven't gotten to the hard questions yet like this one.
7: US funding that made its way to Wuhan lab. I think that's incredibly important. Um, and any suppression of the lab leak theory. Uh, That's really important. Not only did NIH funding make its way to the Wuhan lab, but that USAID, Department of State, uh, Department of
4: Defense, and the question is why. What were they using that money for? Uh, Were they conducting gain, gain of function research? And questions like this will be addressed throughout the course of these lengthy hearings. This isn't a hearing where they focus so much on the back and forth between the witnesses and now the Republican-led House. Instead, it's interesting to see how Republicans are prioritizing what information they can dig out of Fauci in a private, closed-door setting. In addition, House Republicans move forward to hold Hunter Biden in contempt of Congress. The House Judiciary Committee and Oversight Committee released a resolution to hold him in contempt of Congress for failing to show up for that closed door deposition last month where they wanted to ask him about his foreign business deals. Remember Hunter Biden did show up here to the Capitol. He held a press conference right outside on Capitol grounds, but did not show up for the testimony itself. The committee chairman called this a flagrant defiance of the committees, which is why they're moving forward with this contempt of Congress resolution, which they'll hold a committee markup for on Wednesday and then hold at a later time a full floor House vote. Reporting from Capitol Hill, Melina Weiskopf, NTD News.
1: House Republicans are accusing Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas of failing to protect the southern border.
0: They're now getting ready for the first impeachment hearing this week. Mayorkas, meanwhile, was in Texas yesterday commenting on allegations that his agency is not enforcing immigration laws. NTD's Arian Pastar brings us more on Mayorkas' visit.
3: Some Have accused dhs of not enforcing our nation's laws this could not be further from the truth there is nothing i take more seriously than our responsibility to uphold the law and the men and women of dhs are working around the clock to do so we need congress to provide the supplemental funding that president biden requested months ago We need more border patrol agents and more case processors.
8: Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas down in Eagle Pass, Texas on Monday, addressing the border crisis. This comes just days before he could become the first cabinet official in almost 150 years to be impeached by the House. This Wednesday, House Republicans will probe how Mayorkas' alleged failed leadership has impacted the states. On Sunday, House Homeland Security Committee Chairman Mark Green on Fox News explained what's behind the impeachment intentions.
7: The legislative branch writes the laws and the executive branch executes those laws. They don't get to pick and choose which laws. And clearly, Secretary Mayorkas has basically forced his immigration policy on the country against the laws passed by Congress. And the result has been thousands of dead Americans, human trafficking, cartels uh, empowered, making billions and billions of dollars
8: December broke multiple grim immigration milestones, which Republicans are blaming partially on Mallorcas. On December 18th, the U.S. reportedly saw over 12,000 illegal border crossings in a single day, breaking the one-day record. At the same time, CBS reported that the month of December had more illegal border crossings than ever before, with around 300,000 people. On Monday, Republican Congressman Mike Lawler was asked if that's enough to impeach Mallorcas. He has an obligation to uphold the Constitution of the United States and enforce our laws. Uh, he has failed miserably uh, in his obligation to both. Uh, our border is as porous as it has ever been. Since Joe Biden took office, nearly 10 million migrants have crossed our southern border. Democrats, however, are calling the impeachment move a political stunt. A spokesperson for Mallorca said that this extreme impeachment push is a harmful distraction from our critical national security priorities. The House could hold multiple impeachment hearings this week and next, but even if the House votes to impeach Mallorca, the Senate would most likely vote to acquit him. Ariane Pastar, NTD News.
1: Coming up, we have more updates from Israel. The IDF uncovers the largest weapons production sites in the Gaza Strip since the war began.
0: Some reports say that Hamas is using Chinese weaponry in Gaza. We speak to an IDF spokesman. And a Moscow court has detained a U.S. citizen on criminal charges. Find out what's behind the imprisonment of another American when we come back.
1: Good to have you back. The Israel-Hamas war has now been going on for three months and the Hamas terrorist group doesn't appear to be running out of any ammunition anytime any soon. Some may
0: be wondering where are they getting these weapons? Entity's Jason Perry takes a closer
9: look. It's now been three months since Hamas terrorists murdered over 1,200 innocent civilians in Israel. And in response, Israel has vowed to defeat the Hamas terrorist group in the Gaza Strip. Although Israel Defense Forces are making progress each day, on Monday, a barrage of rockets were fired at Israel from the Gaza Strip, some of which were apparently intercepted by the Iron Dome, Israel's air defense system, as seen by the flashes of light in the air. Some people may be wondering how Hamas continues to fire more and more weapons given that the Gaza Strip's main borders are Israel and the Red Sea, which is fortified by Israel's navy. And its other border is Egypt, and Israel also inspects the goods coming into Gaza from Egypt. Well, on Monday, the Israel Defense Forces released footage of the largest weapons production site found so far since the beginning of the war. The Hamas terrorist group has had the capability to manufacture its own weapons on a large scale, including long-range rockets, mortars, explosives and other munitions. An IDF spokesperson said Israel provided the raw materials to Gaza, but they weren't meant for weapons. Those materials were meant to go for agriculture, for fertilizer, for agriculture. Those CNC machines were meant to be for housing. For hospitals, the cement was meant
2: to help building houses. Instead, Hamas built the terror systems of tunnels, the rockets as a main industry, and used
9: everything he can. And as the IDF finds more terrorist infrastructure in the Gaza Strip, it also continues to find more high-ranking terrorists in Lebanon. On Monday, an Israeli strike on an SUV in southern Lebanon killed the most senior Hezbollah terrorists since the war began. Jason Perry, NTD News. Chinese weapons
1: are reportedly making their way into the hands of terrorists in Gaza.
0: An anonymous Israeli intelligence official told The Telegraph that Hamas stockpiles include Chinese rifles and grenade launchers, as well as rifle sights, M16 cartridges and communications equipment.
1: If that's true, it raises the question of whether weapons are coming directly from the Chinese regime or through a proxy like Iran joining me now for more on the war in gaza is lieutenant colonel peter lerner a spokesperson for the idf good morning it's good to have you back so let's talk about what you uncovered recently first you uncovered the largest hamas operated explosive weapons factory so far um, so far so tell me how significant this was for hamas in their weapon supply
7: uh, thank you good morning I think what is most important to understand is the magnitude of Hamas's industry of terrorism. Uh, what we revealed yesterday um, is this huge uh, weapons facility in order to build, create, and uh, arm the Hamas's terrorist army. Um, long-range rockets that could reach uh, from the south all the way up to uh, the north for, uh, from Tel Aviv, or beyond the Tel Aviv even, to Jerusalem. Um, And indeed, it's significant because it just goes to show the amount of effort Hamas went to in order to create this industry. From our perspective, it's just another piece of the puzzle that required and requires dismantling. And that's what we are continuing to do every single day.
1: Mm. How many other factories like that are there? How many have you discovered?
7: So we have seen um, Mm -hmm at least two or three different types of facilities and workshops that have been used for uh, weapons building um, throughout the war in the last three months. Um, but I think yesterday's find was the most substantial, absolutely, without a doubt, um, both in its magnitude, both as interconnectivity to the network of tunnels. You know, people, they would build, uh, Hamas would build a rocket and, it, and it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't even need to go above ground until they put it in the rocket launcher itself so this is just goes to show the magnitude indeed we expect that there are more places like this perhaps not on the same magnitude uh, but it is of course just very illustrative of the magnitude of the industry the magnitude of the expense and the willingness of hamas to invest in such a huge uh, uh, capability was at the detriment of the people Mm -hmm. of gaza and this is i think the sad part of this whole story. Imagine if this effort would have gone into the good of the people, the education, the health system, the welfare system, um, the economy. Um, Unfortunately, they chose to put it in the tools of terrorism and death.
1: Right, and there are reports, as we've just heard, that the IDF uncovered large quantities of high-tech supplies that were made in China. Can you confirm this?
7: Uh, we've seen a, a spectrum of weaponry from across across the across the world um korea i'm i'm not certain about I, there have been reports about china but i don't want to confirm that confirm it up to today um but it just you know the proliferation of weapons and arms in this region uh, uh specifically and specifically even more so to the gaza strip is not an issue uh in after the Arab Spring, uh, the amount of weapons that flew uh, and flowed into uh, the Gaza Strip was really unbelievable. Uh, and what we are revealing today from the AK-47s to the drone capabilities um, to the rocket capabilities, those that are imported and those that are uh, built here in the region, built in Gaza, um, it is really a, a unbelievable feat.
1: Right. So- are you able to tell already or, or where those imported capabilities or, or machinery, rec- where do they come from and how much do they actually, are they able to make themselves?
7: So the biggest uh, part of Hamas's armory capabilities are homegrown. They are the rockets, they're the RPG capabilities. Um, of course, these these are the, the vast majority and and then it is the AK-47s and, and uh, that are um, that have been imported and uh, throughout the history of of the conflict and beyond. But the, the most the, the most substantial are the uh, RPG, the rocket propelled grenades, the anti tank gu- guided missile capabilities, and of course the the uh, rockets themselves, which are produced and developed here in the region and and, and uh, basically off of the knowledge. Of, uh, that exists within the terrorist organizations of Hamas, Hezbollah and, uh, and of course, Iranian knowledge uh, and, um, and purchasing power.
1: Mm. So I want to also touch on um, recently that IDF uh, just killed the Hezbollah commander with some Tawil. So what does it mean for Israel in terms of the threat in the north?
7: So, without going into specifics, I would say, first of all, anybody that is colluding, planning and and, and, uh, uh, intending on conducting attacks against Israel uh, needs to know there is no such thing as immunity. Uh, We will defend ourselves. We will take the fight to the enemy. Uh, We have intercepted and and conducted strikes just this morning here in Israel um, against uh, uh, drone capabilities that Hezbollah has developed. And after they conducted an attack against us this morning, it is a very, very Mm -hmm. fragile time in in the region. Hezbollah are treading on thin ice. Uh, We are, and we have been saying for the last three months, we are maintaining a defensive posture on the north. uh, But we won't agree to any hostility towards us. If you plan on attacking us, we will strike. If we can strike first, we will do it. If not, we will do it afterwards.
1: Thank you very much, Lieutenant Colonel Peter Lerner, as always. Thank you. Good day. A U.S. citizen is under arrest in Moscow on drug-related charges, according to an official statement released today. Robert
0: Woodland is accused of preparing and attempting a crime, as well as illegally dealing
1: with drugs, a Moscow court said the man will be held for two months as a preventative measure. A pro-Kremlin paper said Woodland is a U.S. citizen of Russian origin adopted by U.S. scientists.
0: There have been several high-profile detentions of U.S. citizens recently. This includes Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gerskovich, who the U.S. considers wrongfully detained.
1: Coming up, the fourth batch of documents from Jeffrey Epstein's core files have been released. We take a closer look at the new information.
0: A congressman threatens to subpoena key January 6 witness Cassidy Hutchinson if she doesn't turn over documents. Find out what Republicans say is controversial about her testimony.
1: The first U.S. moon landing in over 50 years is abandoned as the lander undergoes several critical failures. We have the details of the mission coming up. Good to have you back. The White House confirms Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's job is safe.
0: A spokesperson yesterday said President Biden is looking forward to Austin's return, despite his taking days to inform the commander-in-chief that he was in the hospital. Entity's Arlene Richards reports.
5: President Joe Biden has no plans to fire his defense secretary, even though Secretary Lloyd Austin failed to tell the president that he was in the hospital. For four days, White House National Security Council coordinator John Kirby doesn't expect there to be any consequences. I think, uh, look, uh, our main focus right now is on Secretary Austin's health. There is no, uh, no plans for anything other than for Secretary Austin to stay in the job and continuing the leadership that he's been exu- that he's been demonstrating. Kirby said the president values Austin's leadership. In a statement released Saturday, Austin took responsibility for his lack of transparency. He said, I also understand the media concerns about transparency and I recognize I could have done a better job ensuring the public was appropriately informed. I commit to doing better. But this is important to say. This was my medical procedure and I take full responsibility for my decisions about disclosure. Austin is facing backlash from Republican leaders. As Biden deals with multiple national security issues, Senator Tom Cotton said Austin needs to explain why the White House wasn't immediately notified about the hospitalization. In a statement, he said the Secretary of Defense is the key link in the chain of command between the president and the uniformed military, including the nuclear chain of command, when the weightiest of decisions must be made in minutes. If this report is true, there must be consequences for this shocking breakdown. Failing to disclose that Austin had been hospitalized for days breaches the normal protocol. Kirby said there would be a review. I fully expect that we'll take a look at process and procedure here. We'll do
10: what's akin to a hot wash and uh, try to see if processes and
11: procedures need to be changed at all or modified.
5: Kirby said there is an expectation that when a cabinet official becomes hospitalized, the chain of command would be notified. Although the White House's intelligence center checks in every morning to get the location of the cabinet members, Kirby said when a cabinet official gets hospitalized, it's up to the agency to communicate that. In this case, the Department of Defense didn't notify the White House until Thursday afternoon. Arlene Richards, NTD News.
1: Congressman Matt Rosendale says he plans to file articles of impeachment against the defense secretary for high crimes and misdemeanors. Rosendale shared a statement on X saying Secretary Austin has violated his oath of office time and time again and has jeopardized the lives of the American people.
0: Fox News reports that eight attacks were carried out against American forces in the Middle East while Austin was hospitalized.
1: And the fourth batch of Jeffrey Epstein's court files were released yesterday.
0: They reveal photos that appear to show girls or young women on his private island in 2006. The photos are part of a 2015 lawsuit between Epstein victim Virginia Giuffre and Epstein's longtime girlfriend Ghislaine Maxwell. During the trial, Epstein accuser Sarah Ransom testified about the inner workings of Epstein's sex business. Jufraid's lawyers say the photos establish that Maxwell was on the island during a time when she testified that she was hardly around.
1: Ransom had also claimed that former President Trump regularly had sexual relations with one of her unnamed friends at Epstein's New York home. Ransom retracted the allegations in an email with a New York Post columnist in October 2016. She wrote, I would like to retract everything I have said to you and walk away from this. Trump advisor Stephen Chang said in a statement yesterday, these baseless accusations have been fully retracted because they're simply false and have no merit.
0: The judge presiding over former President Trump's federal election case was apparently the latest victim of a swatting incident. Swatting is when a fake 911 call is made sending emergency crews and possibly SWAT teams to someone's address. Police responded Sunday to an emergency call claiming claiming a shooting occurred at Judge Tanya Chutkin's D.C. residence. Investigating officers found an unidentified person there who said she was not injured and no one was in the home. Officers found nothing at the location. This is just the latest in a rash of swatting incidents against politicians like Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene and Maine's Secretary of State Shanna Bellows. There have also been incidents involving celebrities like Tom Cruise and Miley Cyrus.
1: House Republicans sent a letter yesterday to Cassidy Hutchinson, a key witness for the January 6th committee.
0: The letter asks Hutchinson to save and share all records and materials she has about the events on January
1: 6th. Congressman Barry Loudermilk wants Hutchinson to provide a House committee with any documents, messages or electronic information that may be connected to her statements about January 6.
0: Loudermilk wrote on X that Cassidy Hutchinson's substantial changes to her testimony are inconsistent with previous statements she's made publicly and to the former J6 Select Committee.
1: The congressman specifically cited Hutchinson's June 2022 testimony. He says she testified that former President Trump gra- attempted to grab the steering wheel from a Secret Service employee driving the vehicle and lunged at another.
0: But Loudermilk says she did not mention this interaction in her previous three transcribed interviews in February, March and May 2022.
1: A surprise filing accuses the Fulton County DA and a Special Prosecutor of having an improper relationship. The two are handling former President Trump's Georgia election trial.
0: The accusation comes from co-defendant Michael Roman who seeks to have his indictment dismissed.
1: The document citing sources alleges a romantic relationship between Willis and Prosecutor Nathan Wade. It says Willis contracted Wade with without the required approval by the county.
0: The 127-page filing also alleges the pair profited significantly from this prosecution at the expense of taxpayers. The filing says Wade, a private attorney, paid for lavish vacations he took with Willis using the Fulton County funds his law firm received. That's according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
1: A spokesperson for Willis told ABC News their office will respond to the allegations through appropriate court filings. A spokesperson for the Fulton County District Attorney didn't immediately respond to media requests for comment. An election date is set to fill former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's House seat.
0: California Governor Gavin Newsom yesterday set a March 19th special election date for McCarthy's vacated spot.
1: If no candidate wins a majority vote, the top two vote-getters will advance to a May 21st matchup to fill the seat.
0: The solidly Republican 20th Congressional District is anchored in Bakersfield, California. The seat is expected to stay in GOP hands.
1: McCarthy announced in early December that he would step down two months after his historic ouster as House Speaker.
0: McCarthy is the only Speaker in history to be voted out of the job.
1: A disappointment, as the first U.S. moon landing attempt in 50 years will be abandoned.
0: The Peregrine lander developed a critical fuel leak just hours after it separated from its launch rocket.
1: Pittsburgh-based Astrobotic Technology said last night an ongoing propellant leak means their lander could remain stable and operational for 40 more hours.
0: While this means a moon landing is now out of the question, the company now aims to get Peregrine as close to lunar distance as possible.
1: Astrobotic was aiming to be the first private business to successfully land on the moon. A second mission from a Houston company is set to launch next month.
0: NASA's Joel Kern said, quote, we will use this lesson to propel our efforts to advance science, exploration, and commercial development of the moon. And coming up, a new rule from the Biden administration could change the way companies treat gig workers We take a look at how this could affect you with the host of NTD Business when we come back.
1: Good morning and welcome back. So here with us now is entity business host Don Ma to discuss some upcoming rules for the U.S. gig economy.
0: The Biden administration plans to announce a new rule as soon as this week. It will make it harder for companies to classify workers as independent contractors instead of employees. So Don, tell us more about this rule.
10: Well, first of all, this rule could be a game changer for uh, millions of gig workers in the U.S. So basically, these rules aim to make it clearer uh, for standards of who should be actually considered an employee rather than a contract worker. So currently, employers can... Uh, Classify workers as contractors if they have control over their own work or uh, they handle their own profits and losses. So it's a it's a little bit loose right now. So the proposed Biden administration rule uh, aims to tighten these criteria for for the companies. So under the rule, there uh, there are a number of things to consider. For example, uh, the duration of employment. So um, is the position temporary or is it going to be ongoing? Uh, for example, are you hiring somebody for just a few weeks uh, because it's the holiday season for example or uh, maybe somebody else is taking a vacation for a week Um, so that's one thing another point is that whether uh, the work is essential to your business so um, let's say uh, you're a barber shop Um, so that means your hairdressers they are essential to your business, and you might need to consider making them employees uh, under this rule. Uh, so this change intends to make it more challenging, uh, basically, for business to classify workers as contractors. And the point of doing this uh, from the Biden administration's perspective uh, is that you know, when you classify someone as a contractor, uh, that means you don't have to pay them minimum wage you don't have to give them uh, other benefits that are associated uh, with being an employee so that's what the Biden uh, administration wants to get rid of uh, but of course it's also worth pointing out that uh, when a employee is um, w- when somebody is an employee the the company are uh, is legally required to pay into medicare uh, social security and unemployment for workers uh, but these obligations do not exist if the companies uh, classify somebody as a contractor.
1: Mm. I see, yeah, I know some low-cost airlines do that, um, and that causes a lot of difficulty for the pilots, but can you tell us more about, you know, the more pros and cons of of these new rules?
10: Sure, so uh, a range of industries will likely be affected by this rule, Uh, and to no surprise, uh, getting the most attention are these uh, app-based services, like. Uh, Uber, Lyft, uh, DoorDash, and other uh, similar ones. So the Labor Department has previously said that Uh, Misclassifying workers as independent contractors uh, could potentially deny these workers uh, protections under federal labor standards, uh, could lead to maybe uh, wage theft, could allow potentially certain employers to gain an unfair advantage over over other businesses. Um, So these are all the things that the rules aim to tackle and of course that's a good thing. Uh, But of course there's uh, some downsides to this as well. because uh, a classification to employees could essentially throw some business models uh, completely upside down, uh, not to mention that uh, it's going to decrease uh, flexibility for workers. Uh, because right now, a contractor status lets uh, companies, for example, uh, like Uber, to offer a lot of flexibility and choice to their workers. Drivers can actually accept gigs from rivals as well. For example, if you're an Uber gig worker, you can accept uh, work from Lyft as well, um, and they can define their own schedule. Uh, other than that, I'll just mention a couple more. Uh, independent contractors uh, reclassified as employees uh, could also pay more in taxes. Uh, that's another thing uh, to consider. The rule could also drive up service costs for us consumers as well, because when a business is forced to provide insurance, uh, pension plans, paid vacation, sick days, disability insurance, you know, these costs could be passed on to consumers.
0: Yeah, and Uber is saying that their drivers overwhelmingly want this status to be you know, able to be a contract worker. And other business groups are saying there's a long list of factors here, and it's probably going to lead to a lot of confusion, and there could be some really costly class action lawsuits over this stuff.
10: Yeah, potentially a lot of backlash here.
0: Yeah. So Don Ma, host of NTD Business, thank you. Thank you. Stay with us. Studies show colleges are full of liberal-minded people, so what should conservative women do when picking a school and what challenges do they face there? An authority on the subject explains in just a moment.
1: to have you back and let's talk about college and what goes into picking the right school specifically for conservative women who are in the minority among their peers.
0: Yes this choice can be tough considering that most students choose to self-censure just to keep their friendships and for other reasons. So earlier I spoke with Karen Lips the president of the Network of Enlightened Women who teaches how to stick to one's convictions in the face of schools that may seek to quash those viewpoints.
12: This is an important topic that I think more young women need to be more strategic about. You know, lots of schools advertise things like water slides and zip lines and ski resorts, but really conservative women face unique challenges on campuses. So need to pick schools that will be a good fit for them. Think about things, not just about costs, but also making sure, is there a conservative community for them on campus? Is there a conservative intellectual home? Uh, They should consider things like how free speech is treated by looking to see if their school has signed on to the Chicago statement. So I'd encourage students to be a little bit more thoughtful and strategic when they're picking a school because I think it will lead to a better experience.
0: So you touch on free speech. What are some of the challenges that conservative women may face on campus?
12: Well, when a young woman steps foot on campus today, she not only faces a faculty, that is more liberal than conservative. One study found a six to one ratio. She also faces pressure from administrators. There's a 12 to one ratio of liberal to conservatives. And then she faces a, a tornado of social pressure from her peers uh, as conservatives are more likely to censor, self-censor than liberals because of that pressure. And so I wrote about in my new book, You're Not Alone, The Conservative Woman's Guide to College, these forces and how it should inform young women and make them take additional steps to be prepared on campus. Make them think through, you know, are they going to keep quiet? Are they going to employ some persuasion techniques so that they're ready to, to have conversations with their peers? And how they select classes and college majors to make sure that they have a positive college experience.
0: Yes, Karen, and you talked about self-censoring. Is it better for a conservative woman to go to a college that aligns with her views and be comfortable around her peers, or to go to a college that may have a liberal bias and then have to be prepared to defend her views?
12: Well, that's something I think uh, young women should really think about um, and then make the best decision for them. We've had students who've been involved in the Network of Enlightened Women, the group that I run who've gone to schools like Baylor where they find they're more aligned as a university. And then we have students that go to, you know, traditional big state schools or even more, you know, schools that are known as being more liberal. And the key is that they just have a strategy for how they're going to deal with what they're going to experience. So for some students, they really enjoy and benefit from that back and forth and being known almost as the conservative girl on campus. And then by speaking up, other students will join them um, and then they can start chapters of our group or just create this community. Whereas other students find, you know, grades are really important. So they might keep their head down a little bit more um, playing the longer game of trying to get grades so they can get into grad school. So I think the key for conservative women is they need to go to college with their eyes wide open and be ready to employ a, a strategy that will work for their longer term plans.
0: Just very briefly here, Karen, in a few sentences, is it possible that a conservative woman might find her values to be more valuable to her if she is faced with that challenging environment?
12: Of course, I think there's a real benefit for people speaking up. Uh, it not only benefits for, con- doesn't, it doesn't only benefit conservatives who then learn how to engage with liberals more effectively, it benefits liberals who have the chance to hear other ideas and it benefits society as a whole who then is bringing up a generation of people who can have different views but learn how to engage civilly. So I think free speech is good for all Americans.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time today, Karen Lips, president of the Network of Enlightened Women.
12: Thank you.
1: Interesting take on this.
0: Yeah, and that Chicago statement is basically just a writ that shows that there should be free speech on college campuses, and it it explains that the school, if it doesn't agree with a view, should not prevent students from Mm. being able to access it.
1: I see. Well, thank you for that interview. We're heading to the second part of our broadcast, so stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute.
9: NTD News, the fastest growing independent news source in America, bringing you breaking news from around the world, expert analysis investigative reporting, and original award-winning documentaries. We're known for our uncensored China coverage you won't find anywhere else. We cover the stories that affect you and shape our world without the political noise. We report from the heart with you in mind. Watch us right here on NTD News.
0: Good morning, welcome to NTD.
1: Good morning. Here are today's top stories. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is in Israel for high-stakes talks about the next phase of the war. The diplomat is on his fourth trip to the Middle East to ease tensions as the threat of a greater conflict grows.
0: Bolts missing from the panel blown from a Boeing MAX 9 mid-flight. Federal investigators are wondering if they were ever there in the first place. New insight into what went wrong with the Alaska Airlines flight last week.
1: Authorities have a theory on what caused an explosion at a Texas hotel, which injured at least 21 people.
0: And winter storms plow through the central and eastern U.S. More extreme weather conditions in the forecast, which could include whiteouts, blizzards and even tornadoes.
1: A game changer of an election coming to Taiwan this weekend. It could mean the difference between autonomy and a step towards Chinese control and on the ground update.
0: The James Webb Telescope is a technological marvel. What have scientists learned in the time since it deployed? See the beautiful photos from a million miles away. <music>
9: This is NTD Good Morning.
2: Live from our global headquarters, here are Evelyn Lee and Kevin Hogan.
0: Welcome to NTD.
1: Welcome, today is Tuesday, January 9th. Today's top news, Secretary of State Antony Blinken is in Israel today to discuss the next phase of the war.
0: The top diplomat met with Prime Minister Netanyahu and his war cabinet to talk about Israel's efforts to protect and aid civilians in Gaza.
1: Lincoln said he was coming to Israel with promises from four Arab nations and Turkey to help in rebuilding Gaza after the war. But the nations want to see an end to the fighting and steps towards the creation of a Palestinian state alongside Israel.
0: U.S. officials have called for the Palestinian Authority to govern Gaza after the war. Israeli leaders reject that idea but haven't put up a concrete plan yet.
1: Blinken is also trying to prevent an all-out war between Israel and the Iran-backed terrorist group Hezbollah in Lebanon.
0: And earlier we spoke to Gerard Fariti, a senior counsel at the Lawfare Project, for a closer look at Blinken's Middle East tour.
2: The common ground is America is very much interested in Israel's ability to defend itself against these attacks and definitively deal with Hamas and the terrorist organizations that are causing instability, not just in Israel and the Middle East, but in the world in general. The common ground is everyone wants a path forward to peace in the region and the dissolution of the terrorist regimes that are governing the Palestinian people. This is something that Israel is very much interested in doing. But the question is, how will we get there, and Secretary Blinken is delivering support in a way from Arab countries for a peaceful resolution to the conflict after this war is done.
0: So what is this concept of a Palestinian state alongside Israel that the Arab nations are working with Blinken to discuss?
2: Well, the Arab nations are very much supportive of a Palestinian state in principle. This is something that has been on the international agenda for decades and something that was decided upon and agreed upon with the Oslo Conventions in the 1990s, that there would be a pathway to a Palestinian state. The issue now is the Arab states like Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Egypt, and Turkey, uh, which is not Arab, but aligned with these states, wants a path forward to Palestinian statehood, and in exchange, they're looking to normalize relations with Israel. But the catch is everyone wants to see a plan for what governing Gaza, governing the West Bank would look like after this war is done.
0: Right, and so do you see Turkey, Saudi Arabia, and Jordan stepping up to help Gaza's governance and reconstruction after the war, given that Blinken said that they would be willing to work together for Gaza's stability?
2: I do see that these countries have an interest in providing economic support to rebuild the infrastructure and develop the economy and civil society in a Palestinian state or in Gaza. The issue is who will actually govern these areas. That's the sticking point. Hamas cannot continue as a force in Gaza or anywhere else. And we need stability. We need a, a leadership for the Palestinian people that's interested in peace and cooperation, not in violence and destruction.
0: Gerard Felitti, senior counsel at the Law for a Project. Thank you.
2: Thank you.
1: Chinese weapons are reportedly making their way into the hands of terrorists in Gaza.
0: An anonymous Israeli intelligence official told The Telegraph that Hamas stockpiles include Chinese rifles and grenade launchers, as well as rifle sights, M-16 cartridges, and communications equipment.
1: If that's true, it raises the question of whether weapons are coming directly from the Chinese regime or through a proxy like Iran.
0: In another news, fire officials suspect a gas leak in a blast at a Texas hotel in Fort Worth. And today's Daniel Monahan has more on yesterday's explosion, which injured nearly 21, pe- 21 people.
6: The explosion at the Sandman Signature Hotel blew out windows and littered downtown streets with large sections of debris from the building. Officials say one of the injured people is in critical condition. The blast flung doors and entire sections of wall onto the road in front of the 20-story hotel. Fort Worth Fire Department rescue crews found several people trapped in the basement. More than two dozen rooms were occupied at the hotel when the blast took place. Authorities say a restaurant in the building had been under construction, but it was not definitive that is where the blast occurred. The Sandman Signature Hotel is in a busy area of downtown, about one block from the Fort Worth Convention Center. According to its website, the hotel has 245 rooms and was built in 1920 as the Wagoner Building, named after cattle rancher and oilman William Thomas Wagoner. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
1: Boeing 737 Max problems just got a little worse after the blowout of part of a plane's fuselage during the flight last week.
0: Regulators grounded over 170 Max 9 planes after a gaping hole appeared in the side of an Alaska Airlines plane Friday night.
1: The panel that came off is known as a door plug. It is used to replace an emergency exit to add more seats. Alaska Airlines is now facing some scrutiny for its decision to keep the plane in operation despite cabin system warnings in the days leading up to the incident.
0: Both United and Alaska found loose bolts on multiple grounded MAX 9s in preliminary investigations. Federal investigators say they're still looking for four bolts. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the findings.
3: Federal investigators are gaining new insight into how a door panel came loose before flying off an Alaska Airlines jetliner Friday night. All 12 stops became disengaged, allowing it to blow out of the fuselage. Uh, we found that both guide tracks on the plug were fractured. The National Transportation Safety Board, or NTSB, says they still haven't found four bolts that secure the panel, or if they were even there in the first place. That restrain it from its vertical movement And we have not yet determined if they existed there. That will be determined when we take the plug to our lab in Washington, D.C. The nation's top accident investigator says warning lights were triggered on three flights before the blowout, including each of the two days before its first flight. NTSB Chair Jennifer Homendy says maintenance crews cleared the Alaska Airlines flight to fly after checks, but that Alaska decided not to use it on an ocean route to Hawaii in case the warning light reappeared. None of the 170 passengers or six crew members were injured. The FAA grounded all MAX 9s operated by Alaska and United Airlines for inspection after the blowout. The FAA approved inspection and repair guidelines for MAX 9 plugs on Monday, which could streamline the roughly 170 grounded planes returned to service. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News.
1: House Republicans sent a letter yesterday to Cassidy Hutchinson, a key witness for the January 6th committee.
0: The letter asks Hutchinson to save and share all records and materials she has about the events on January 6th.
1: Congressman Barry Loudermilk wants Hutchinson to provide a House committee with any documents, messages, or electronic information that may be connected to her statements about January 6.
0: Loudermilk wrote on acts that Cassidy Hutchinson's substantial changes to her testimony are inconsistent with previous statements she's made publicly and to the former J6 Select Committee.
1: The Congressman specifically cited Hutchinson's June 2022 testimony. He says she testified that former President Trump attempted to grab the steering wheel from a Secret Service employee driving the vehicle and lunged at another.
0: But Loudermilk says she did not mention this interaction in her previous three transcribed interviews in February, March and May 2022.
1: And a surprise filing accuses the Fulton County D.A. and a special prosecutor of having an improper relationship. The two were handling former President Trump's Georgia election trial.
0: The accusation comes from co-defendant Michael Roman, who seeks to have his indictment dismissed.
1: The document citing sources alleges a romantic relationship between Willis and prosecutor Nathan Wade. It says Willis contracted Wade without the required approval by the county.
0: The 127-page filing also alleges the pair profited significantly from this prosecution at the expense of taxpayers. The filing says Wade, a private attorney, paid for lavish vacations he took with Willis using the Fulton County funds his law firm received. That's according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
1: A spokesperson for Willis told ABC News their office will respond to the allegations through appropriate court filings. A spokesperson for the Fulton County District Attorney didn't immediately respond to media requests for comment. And coming up, we take a look at the upcoming election in Taiwan. who are the candidates and what is their stance on China?
0: The Environmental Protection Agency is looking to replace America's diesel-powered school buses with nearly $1 billion in grants. We take a look at the pros and cons of this initiative.
1: Winter storms plow through the central and eastern U.S. More extreme weather conditions in the forecast, which could include whiteouts, blizzards and even tornadoes.
0: The James Webb Telescope is more than just an amazing telescope. It can look back in time over 13 billion years. We jump aboard the time machine and see some of the beautiful pictures taken from space.
1: Good to have you back. And big things are coming up on January 13th. The self-governing island of Taiwan is slated to elect a new president.
0: The three-way election race boils down to one central theme, how to deal with its communist neighbor, China.
1: Leading the race is Taiwan's current vice president, Lai ching Da. He represents the ruling Democratic Progressive Party.
0: Throughout his career, Lai has been known for his staunch defense of the island's sovereignty despite repeated pressure from China.
1: The next candidate in line is Ho Yo-yi, mayor of New Taipei City and a former police chief.
0: He opposes Taiwan's independence and has avoided speaking out about China.
1: Trailing behind him is Ken wen the former mayor of Taipei.
0: He recently told AP News that he believes China remains a problem and that problem needs to be taken care of without sparking conflicts. And for analysis on Saturday's hugely consequential election in Taiwan and an on-the-ground update, we have joining us live retired Colonel John Mills, also a senior fellow at the Center for Security Policy. Good morning, John, and thank you for coming on.
11: Evening where I'm at, uh, Kevin, how are you doing?
0: Yes, that is right. On the other side of the world. So we know that Taiwan produces over 90% of the world's most advanced semiconductors, and its location is anchoring a network of U.S. allies from the Japan to the Philippines. So what is at stake in Taiwan's election, considering that there's a chance of a pro-Beijing candidate winning?
11: Well, uh, so many things, Kevin. I think in, in you know... Uh, you know, starting off, this is a, a democracy right on the front uh, on the on the front door of a communist totalitarian uh, nation, and uh, it's going to be important to see that democratic processes prevail regardless of the outcome uh, on Saturday uh, uh, that uh, and that they are able to minimize uh, any interference. And there clearly is interference uh, going on. Uh, uh, by China, m- much of it cognitive. That's the expression used today at a press conference by foreign, uh, the foreign secretary or foreign minister, um, uh, Dr. Wu. Uh, there is cognitive warfare going on. And so, a, a fair and clean election. Uh, Taiwan provides much of the world's chips. Uh, Taiwan, in many ways, along with Japan, South Korea, and the Philippines, it really uh, prevents a uh, presents a kind of a first. Line of defense, if you would have it, uh, and deterrence against uh, China and from forces breaking out into the deeper Pacific.
0: Right. And John, incumbent President Tsai Ing-wen, she's a member of the Democratic Progressive Party and clearly the Taiwanese people value their own democracy and sovereignty. So how is it that a pro-Beijing candidate is gaining so much traction there?
11: Yeah, it's a, the polling period uh, there the where you're allowed to have the polling uh, has passed, so it's a little unclear on current polling, but polling from uh, right before then did show a tightening race. That's it's a little odd, a little hard to explain. Now, uh, uh, President Xi of China has made some very uh, bellicose statements recently. I don't think that helps. We had an odd event during a a press conference today where there was an alert of a Chinese uh, missile launch and or satellite launch. It was a little bit unclear. Uh, I don't think things like that uh, uh, necessarily uh, help out uh, the KMT and and may help PP.
0: Yeah, and we've seen that. China has no regard for the territorial claims that Taiwan has given these flyovers. And, of course, you mentioned that satellite launch. So what's the mood in the country like right now, just briefly?
11: Well, I, I think it, it's a lot of excitement. Uh, so we've been to several rallies uh, on, on all sides. Uh, the, uh, I just, I would have to say, the excitement and the energy is with the DPP and uh so, uh, and I did, a, I did a number of man on the street interviews. Uh, everybody, this, this whole concept of independence and sovereign, uh, almost every person said, we don't, we're already a sovereign, independent nation. We don't need to ask permission from anybody to be a, a, a nation or sovereign or independent.
0: Well, all eyes are on Taiwan right now. Retired Colonel John Mills, senior fellow at the Center for Security Policy, thank you for the update.
11: Thank you very much, Kevin.
1: Back in the U.S., a major winter storm has arrived. This week, people in the central part of the country can expect up to a foot of snow, violent winds, blizzards, and even tornadoes.
13: A highly impactful winter storm is expected to dump as much as a foot of snow across the country's midsection, where blizzard and winter storm warnings are in effect. According to the National Weather Service, between January 7th to 11th, the storm can bring 8 to 12 inches of snow stretching from southeastern Colorado and western Kansas through eastern Nebraska, large parts of Iowa, northern Missouri, and northwestern Illinois up toward the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Other parts of the Midwest could see winds between 60 to 70 miles per hour, creating blizzards with whiteouts. There were widespread school closures across eastern Nebraska on Monday, ahead of the storm. The harsh weather has already affected presidential campaigning for Iowa's January 15th precinct caucuses, where temperatures could dip below zero degrees by caucus day next week. In South Dakota, the Sioux Falls mayor urged residents not to travel Monday if they did not have to, and to give snowplows time and patience so they can clear the roads. In the southeast, wind gusts of up to 50 miles per hour and strong tornadoes are the primary threats to states along Texas and the Gulf Coast. The risk will continue through Tuesday. The storm follows a separate storm that moved off the east coast after dumping over a foot of snow Sunday on parts of Pennsylvania, New York State, and portions of New England. And another storm is on the way that will affect the Pacific Northwest into the Northern Rockies. Washington and Oregon could see blizzard conditions and several feet of snow. A flood watch is in effect for the state of Hawaii through Tuesday as the threat of heavy rainfall and thunderstorms moves through from west to east. The Environmental
1: Protection Agency yesterday announced nearly $1 billion in grants to replace diesel-powered school buses.
0: This will help purchase over 2,700 so-called clean school buses in 280 school districts across 37 states.
1: With yesterday's announcement, the EPA's Clean School Bus Program has awarded nearly $2 billion in total for electric and low-emission school buses nationwide.
0: Vice President Kamala Harris said the move is part of their work to tackle climate change and invest in the nation's children, their health, and their education.
1: However, critics like New York State Senator George Borrello say, say that implementing electric bus mandates would mean crushing financial costs for districts.
0: Borello also says that school officials are raising concerns over electric bus use in frigid temperatures and in rural areas where the infrastructure is not built to handle them.
1: The National Park Service withdrew a proposal yesterday to take down a statue of William Penn in Philadelphia.
0: It was to be part of a renovation that sparked a torrent of criticism over the legacy of the man who founded Pennsylvania.
1: Independence National Historical Park said it has withdrawn the proposal that it announced quietly last week about a wider renovation of Welcome Park. That park is just blocks from the Liberty Bell and the National Constitution Center.
0: The Park Service says the proposal was released prematurely and hadn't undergone a complete internal review. It stated no changes to the William Penn statue are planned. It never explained why it was planning to remove the statue. The plan also involved expanding the telling of Philadelphia's Native American history.
1: The James Webb Telescope was deployed in 2022. The technological marvel has delivered some stunning pictures.
0: The telescope provided scientists with a better understanding of the cosmos around us. Let's look at some of the images. It's beamed back to Earth.
6: Scientists are over the moon with the success of the James Webb Telescope. It's captured some stunning images since it opened its huge mirror two years ago. The Webb Telescope's deployment came after years of work and a $10 billion investment. And it's much more advanced than its predecessor, the Hubble Telescope. The Webb Telescope literally has the ability to look back in time. Its massive gold and beryllium mirrors can see over 13 billion light years away. $10 billion is a big investment. Have scientists learned anything in the time since the Webb has been deployed? Yes, they have learned more about the rings of Uranus and Saturn, for example. The Pillars of Creation is a location in the Eagle Nebula, where new stars form. If you're wondering about James Webb, he was the administrator of NASA from 1961 to 1968 during the Gemini and Apollo programs. The Webb Telescope promises to keep teaching us about the origins of the universe, finding new planets, stars, and maybe other surprises we cannot yet imagine.
1: Looks like it delivered some significant new insights.
0: Yeah, those are some cool nebulae out there and it makes you wonder what's out
1: there. Absolutely. And while we wonder, we're going to wrap up our show, but we'll keep you updated, of course, with the latest information. Stay tuned for our News Today broadcast at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee.
0: And I'm Kevin Hogan.